At the Beanstalk Group, we love what we do, which is selling real estate in Los Angeles for top dollar. We specialize in smart, honest, detail-oriented representation with white glove service throughout the process. One of our favorite parts of the job is working with amazing people and doing good things for them. It's an honor to do what we do every day. Call us at 323-425-4918. You have at the same time what we call negativity. You have at the same time messages that are in our heads. And we have emotions that we go through that don't allow us to always be in this uh, elevated state or what we call this enlightened state. You can't always be in enlightened mode. You know, you could walk out of a shear or you could read a book or you could see a sunset and you could walk out feeling enlightened. Like now I'm, oh, I feel it. Now I'm going to live differently. I, this, this chesed made me feel great. I'm going to run with this. So you can't always live in that peak enlightened state. It's not natural. It's not the way we're wired. It's not the human condition. So the question is, what do you do when you have the negative voice in your head or whether it's depression or whether it's anger? I'm not talking about chemical. Some things are chemical balance and you know, and some things we know because thank God modern research has showed us a lot of it boils down to medicine and things like that. But I'm talking about on a smaller scale. You know, We just are, are facing depression. We're facing anger. We're facing um, negative talk in our mind. What is the Torah's view in dealing with that specifically? So I'd like to share with you an approach to it um, that I think works as far as explaining a concept to us that was presented to us in a very childish way. The problem is we're taught a bulk of our Judaism when we're little kids, and our minds are not ready yet for sophisticated, deep ideas. So we're given Judaism at a low introductory level, at a childlike level, and the problem is often most of us don't get a chance to follow up that primitive basic education with a more advanced form of knowledge. And therefore our Judaism is left at best to a very childlike image. And one such example is the Yetzir Hara, which I want to focus on today. We hear all about the Yetzir Hara. Oh, Taivas and the Yetzir Hara. And we're picturing a little red guy on our left uh, shoulder battling a little blue guy on our right shoulder. This one's holding a pitchfork. Um, or, you know, we have just different images that we've supplanted in ourselves because since we only have that basic education, all we could do is just use the movies to fill in the rest. That's, that's the best we could do. But I'd like to look at a sophisticated Torah viewpoint as to what exactly is this concept of a Yetzirah, which would at the same time help us address the negativity that's sometimes within us and how to, how to deal or how to contend with it. So, we know that in Breshit, we know that Adam and Chava were warned to stay away from the Eitz Hadas. They were asked to stay away from the tree of knowledge, right? The tree Eitz Hadas Tovera, the tree of knowledge of good and bad. And then they sin. And we know that after the sin, we know that some form of Yetzar Hara is created in the human being. And the question is, and the Maral deals with this at length in the Ramban and many others, is what does it mean that the Yetzar Hara entered the human after they ate from the tree? Meaning, if there was no Yetzirah to begin with, how'd they ever mess up and eat from the tree? And if there was always a Yetzirah beforehand, some dark impulse to sin, to rebel, then what changed after the sin? What changed after eating from the tree? What changed in our lives? Sir so Rav Chaim Velazhin, one of the greatest students of the Vilna Gon, Rav Chaim Velazhin says as follows, Pamachas, once upon a time, there was a Nachash, a cunning serpent, the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah came and whispered persuasive thoughts into the human being. Whisper them. Come, take. 
once corrupted, the Yetzirahara was no longer davar chitzoni, was no longer an external force. But after the sin, what happened was the Yetzirahara turned into a force that lives within the human being. That's the way he solves the problem. It's a major dilemma. If there was no sin before eating from the Yetzirah Tovara, then how'd they mess up to begin with? Elamai, there was the possibility, there was a Yetzirah, but this evil impulse, this impulse for darkness was outside of the human being. With the eating from the tree, Rav Chaim Balazhin says, it crept into the human being. Rav Dessler, Rav Dessler comes along and says the following. He phrases, takes Rav Chaim Balazhin and he phrases it in a, uh, in, a, in a perfect way. He says, before eating, before eating from the tree, you tried to get me to sin. After eating from the tree, it's I who wants to sin. You understand the shift? The shift is external to internal. It became you know, a, a part of the process that, that we go through in our minds. It became internal, our drives. It became eternal to our drives. So we're picturing this impulse for darkness, this impulse for rebellion, which God created in the world. And we'll explore why God would put it in the world. God creates it in the world. It's out there. We sin, and then it becomes a part of who we are. But there's one more step here. The Pasuk in Dvarim Perak Chafal of Pasuk Yod. When you go out to war against your enemy, when you go out to war against your enemy, say the Mepharshim and the Medrashim. This is talking about the internal enemy, not just the external enemy, not just the one on the battlefield, but the internal enemy that is pulling us in different directions. Okay, what do I take away from all of that? I take away the following. A shift happened in the world whereby our tendency to think negative thoughts, to go to a dark place, to go into a dark mood, all of that has crept inside of us but is not external. However, the key of that last, last medrash, ki al-oyvecha, when you wage war against your enemy, the key to that idea is that it's still an enemy. What do I mean? It's not you. It's not you. That's what the Medrash is getting at. That's what I think Rav Chaim Velazhin is getting at. It's not you. The negativity is not you. It's seen as some external pressure or some external force. I think that's a very empowering and significant idea. Why? There's nothing more integral to true growth, nothing more empowering to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice in your mind. You're not that voice. There's a voice telling you you know, forget it. Don't do anything. It's useless. Don't don't volunteer. It's worth. It's a bracha levatala. Don't do anything. You're just going to get agmas nefesh. You're going to get complaining and bickering. Don't do it. There's that voice telling you, hold back. Don't do it. Or there's the voice that tells you, what are you going to help that person with tzedakah? They're probably going to use it to buy liquor. There's always a voice pulling us back, holding us back, giving us negativity. Or ourselves telling us, you know, you're in a dark place right now. You can't get out of it. What I think Rav Dessler, Rav Chaim Velazhin, and the Medrash are all sharing with us is while that voice went into us, as opposed to outside of us, it's still not us. It doesn't define who we are. I saw the Chazanish put it this way, and this is great. You are the witness. You are the Eid Ne'eman. You are the loyal witness. What is that? That's an entire shift in the way we're thinking. 
When we think darker thoughts, negative thoughts, depressing thoughts, angry thoughts, whatever they are, Chazanish is saying, turn yourself into the witness of those thoughts. Don't define yourself by them, but instead you become the watchman. You become the one who's able to look at those thoughts and see them for what they are. As opposed to, meaning before this year, the way I would have looked at it, or the way before seeing Reb Dessler, the way I would have looked at it, is when something negative comes up within us, it's this battle, it's this struggle we have to like quash ourselves, to like stop ourselves from feeling that way. But instead, it's not a battle. There's, it's not really a battle, because what you are is you are a witness to the thought. You are not that thought itself. You are a witness to the thought. You're not the thought itself. I saw in one book, I forgot who wrote it, where he said it's your roommate. Look at it as your roommate. It's not you. It's your roommate. It's the person you now have to live with because it's inside of you, but it's not you. It's essentially, it's not you. And when you look at it in that way, it changes the way you deal with your struggles. The way you deal with your struggles is no longer, you know, I just have to ignore. I have to just try to block the noise in my head. I try to do fake things that make me not feel that. Um, I have to bury myself in other things that will cover it up whether it's extreme alcohol or whatever else it is, or you could say, no, I could just sit there and watch it. I could look at it. I could look at it and say, whoa, what is this? This is an intruder. This is a, I'm going through anger right now. I'm going through depression. Is that me? What is this? What's this? You could look at it and watch the process happening, which I think is what the, uh, what's, you know, what Rav Dessler is getting at. The, the, the Medrash says as follows. If not for the Yetzirah, we would never build a house, we would never get married, we would never have children, we would never get a job. If not for the Yetzirah, we would never do any of those things. Let me explain that. There was an early Star Trek episode. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with it. The episode was called The Enemy Within. What happened was that Captain Kirk of the Starship Enterprise was transporting you know, to another planet to, to fight whatever. And as he was transporting, there was a glitch in the system and it split him into two. It made two Kirks. And one Kirk was peaceful, loving, simple, innocent Kirk. The other Kirk was the Kirk who was tough, who was mean, who was vindictive. That was the other Kirk. And his crew is trying to figure out which one is the Kirk that we should follow. And they make a decision that we know Kirk to be a good person. So obviously we must follow the compassionate and merciful and kind one. And they choose to find him, follow him. And when they're following him and they have to make a decision, a literally a fork in the road, because he's so soft and so nice, he can't make the decision for them. And he crumbles to the ground and he starts crying. And they realize they thought they followed the better Kirk, but they made a mistake. And what do you see from that? It's such a, uh, it's such a strong Musar Haskell that we need the totality of that which we experience in our minds. We need the roommate. We, we need to be the witness to watch it and understand why God gave us that other impulse because we need it as part of the totality of what it means to be a human being. You can't be a human being. You can't be a person who feels all of existence. Who, who can, you need to be able to be someone who can get hurt in order to be someone who loves correctly. And therefore, that's, I think, the message of why we have the Yetzirah. Yetzirah is a gift. And when one looks at it in that way, they're not dealing, the phrase dealing with your demons should not, should not be in a Jewish term. It's not a Jewish concept. 
There is no demon in Judaism. There is no dark force that works against God in Judaism. We don't have such a concept. Christianity has a concept of an eternal battle between good and evil, which one day good will prevail over. <coughs> Judaism does not believe that. There's no battle. There's only God's world, and we're guests in it. That's it. There's only God's world. And when there's only God's world, everything at some point has to be a form of a, a you know, a gift or a, not, let's not use the word gift, but rather it's something for you to deal with. It's something for you to deal with in your life. Okay? And therefore, when you have these negative thoughts, when you have these negative emotions and these negative feelings, instead of curling up into it and surrendering, what you're doing instead is you're witnessing, you're watching, or as we said three weeks ago, what you're doing is you're asking yourself, what is this emotion asking me to do different? Right? For example, the most technical example is when you feel, um, when you feel, uh, you know, anxiety about something, right? When you feel anxiety about something, it's, you could feel anxiety and just get overwhelmed or you could stop and say, it's sending me a message. I feel anxiety. Why do I feel anxiety? Because maybe I'm not prepared enough for X or Y. So the answer is get more prepared. Or if there's no way to get prepared, wrap your mind around the fact that it's okay if you fail. That's what the message of anxiety is telling you. It's telling you, you need to respond differently so you don't feel this way anymore. It's all a message and we become the witness. We become the Eid Neman. We become the one who's watching uh, what is happening over here. I think that's the Medrash. It's a beautiful way to see the Medrash. If not for the Eight Sahara, we never, if not for the Eight Sahara, we'd never build a house. We'd never get married. We'd never have children because you, you, know, you need to have that impulse. You need to have that drive. The Gemara Navadazara says the day that the ability for prophecy was crushed, the, the, the day that the ability, sorry, the day that the will to do idolatry was crushed, the nerve that helped you with prophecy was also crushed. What does one have to do with the other? You see that connecting yourself to a darker source has within it a very deep and holy place. It comes from a very deep and holy place in this world that even when God took away the, we have no interest in idolatry. None of us said we want to worship a totem pole. It's gone. That notion is pretty much gone in the world. You still have a few segments of society that are interested in it. But it's, it's not the same as it used to be because the impulse was taken. When that impulse was taken away, we lost the ability to see, to transcend this world, to have real prophecy. So there is a purpose to the darkness um, that we go through in our lives. We have, yes? Wouldn't the word then, you just used the word drive. Yes. Wouldn't that really be a more accurate description of what we're talking about? Like you mentioned the six different motivations we have six different needs six different needs yes wouldn't a drive towards those six different needs be what could either create a positive we are driven towards those needs there's no yeah. doubt about it we are driven to mm -hmm. fulfill the need mm -hmm. um the question is um the question is when we have some emotional barrier to fulfill that need we turn and fulfill that need in a negative way that's mm -hmm. the problem mm -hmm. that's the problem so the question is what do you do with that emotion and how do you make sure it doesn't overwhelm you so what we're suggesting today is the torah's recipe so not to allow the motion to overwhelm you is to look at it and say i'm a witness to you or you are my roommate i understand your purpose and your function okay i understand your purpose and your function one should never say rav Desu says as well it's very powerful that's says one should never say i am gloomy I am depressed. You, the I, meaning you as who you are at your essence, at your neshama, is not depressed. You have an invader. You have a roommate. You have something you're watching called depression. But it's not I. It's not you. And the second you become that emotion, 
you've lost. You've lost the essence of its gift that it was offering you, of what it meant to you, of the message it was sent to you, and, and what it was telling you at that point in time. Okay, that's, that's the first idea. The second idea of what you do with these emotions, and, and this applies to pain and pain avoidance. We will do, and it's the main reason why people buy things nowadays. Any person who's good at marketing psychology knows is you have to create massive amounts of pain and then you show how you're the one to solve it. For example, you show a person of an older guy holding his back saying, is your back killing you? Are you having a tough time playing with the grandkids? Well, we have the solution. We have the posturpedic bed that's able to float in the air and you'll never feel again. You create massive amounts of pain and then you show you're the one who could solve the problem. Okay, that's marketing at its most extreme. So we will do whatever we can to avoid pain in our lives. We'll do whatever we can to avoid pain. The things we buy in our lives will be there to avoid pain. Um, we'll buy, we'll pay much higher for internet, faster internet service, so we don't need to wait for the answer, so we don't need to wait for the reply. Um, you know, vacations, whatever it is, we'll do whatever it takes to avoid pain in this world. And God gave us some great gifts to avoid pain in this world. Whether it's medication or other things, God gave us some gifts to avoid pain. And that's certainly one valid mode. But I read to you a Gemara from Brachos Hey Amen Aleph. The Gemara says as follows: Amar Rab Levi Bar Chama, Amar Rabbi Shimon Ben Lakish, Laolam Yargiz Adam Yetzer Tov Al Yetzer Hara. The person should yargiz. It comes from from anger or excite. Person should excite their Yetzer Tov over their Yetzer Hara. Shenemar, as it says, Rigzu Va'al Tichto. Rigzu means have trepidation, have you know excitement, and don't sin. Okay, if not, if you could win that way, great. If not, learn Torah, as Torah is also a remedy. If you could beat that dark side of you, great. If not, read Kriyashma. If, not, if you beat it that way, great. If not, think of the day of your death. What very strange Gemara. Gemara says a few things. One, Excite your Yetzer Tov, your good side over your bad side. If that works, great. If not, learn Torah. Torah works, great. If not, let's try something else. Do Kriyashma. If that doesn't work, we'll try something else. Think of the day of your death. What's this Gemara talking about? What is this Gemara talking about? I think the key to this Gemara is people mistranslate the opening line. It's not fight your Yetzer Hara. Nowhere in that Gemara does it tell you to fight your Yetzer Hara. I think on some level, the message of fighting a dark impulse is futile. It's ineffective. We know that. We know that trying to, to uh, educate children through fear and screaming at them and telling them they're worthless and telling them if they do this, they're going to, you know, if they do this, they're going to, you know, they'll suffer for the rest of their lives. You do this, no one's going to like you. We know that fear, hellfire, it's called hellfire education. We know that the Saba of Kelm said, hellfire education died years ago. People, it stopped moving people, hellfire education. You can't fight the Yetzirah in that way. You can't cut yourself off. Judaism doesn't know of the concept of becoming a hermit, a monk. It's why Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says, you know when you have a pigeon a bend, 30 days after the child is born, firstborn male child, you buy the child back. Child's supposed to be with the Kohen, you buy the child back. So we make a whole party out of it and everything. So Yaakov Kamenetsky says, why are you making a party out of it? This kid was supposed to live a life of holiness dedicated to the Kohen. And here we go. You bought the kid back to live a secular life and we're making a party. Why are we making a party? Why are we making a bracha? Says Yaakov Kamenetsky, because the ideal of the Jew is not to live a life separate from everybody else. 
The ideal of a Jew is to li live that regular life and find a way to transcend within the regular life. He says it straight. The ideal of the Jew was never on a mountaintop. The ideal of the Jew was being here in this world and making the most of it and thriving. It's not about, yes? That's the concept of modern orthodoxy. Oh, the concept of modern orthodoxy at its ideal is being engaged in the world and not being afraid of it. Saying there are tools and there are powers to harness that could be used for the greater good. A hundred percent. That is the concept. So it's not about avoidance. It's not about cutting yourself off. By the way, the Koshnitzer Magid, beautiful insight. Save this one for Pesach. Why is the mitzvah of Pesach matzah? Matzah is the most dangerous thing to have. It's one more minute and it would have became chametz. You have to stop at 18 minutes. One more minute and it would have became chametz. Make the mitzvah of the night an orange or something that can never become chametz. Like if we say the if we say chametz is the yetzar hara, right? All those midrashim, the arizal, the chametz is the yetzar hara, blah, 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 blah. So why is the mitzvah of the night the thing that's so close to becoming chametz? Says the Koshnitzer Magid, the avoda of a Jew is not to run away. The avoda of a Jew is to live right there at the line, right there at the edge, and, and feel that you can be safe and you can be okay and you could thrive. And that's why the mitzvah of the night is chametz. It's not about the battle. It's not about the battle against your Yetzar. It's not a war you're waging. Le'olam yargiz Yetzar tov al Yetzar hara. It's not le'olam yargiz at the Yetzar hara. The line in the Gemara doesn't say, go and fight your Yetzar hara. It doesn't say that. It says le'olam yargiz Yetzar tov. Work on the positive side of you and that will expel the darkness. Work on the light side of you. Encourage it. Cause it to grow. Focus on the positive. If the positive isn't working, you're trying, you're trying, and you're still struggling, learn Torah. Why learn Torah? Torah is there to make you think. These ideas that we're talking about, to think and to realize that this is not who I am. This is something external to me. What's Kriya Shema? Then it said, if Torah doesn't work, do Shema. What's Shema all about? Shema, it's everything we're saying. What's Shema? Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Realizing that God is one. Everything is one. This is not something, the Yetzirah is not some enemy. It's not an enemy. It's a message. It's a message. It's telling you something. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And then at the end of the Gemara, it tells you as an afterthought, if all that doesn't work, then try some hellfire. Try some fear. Try looking at what the pain would be. And by the way, that is part of modern psychology. It didn't all go positive. Part of modern psychology, especially in smoking therapy, they'll try to illustrate what you have to visualize the most extreme of what smoking will do to you. To visualize concretely. That's what all the advertising is doing with smoking. It's trying to show you the most vivid, gruesome pictures to show you the lungs, what it's going to look like. Because at the end of the day, it, what? The hole, the hole over there? That's the point. What lens works better for you? Exactly. For That's the key line. It's Are about you, it's like about recognizing. Finish, more uplifting, happy kind of. Right. Which, by the way, which, by the way, or is it negative? You know, Musser idea that scares you. Or art. Or art. art. That's what why you have that rabbi. What's the what's the when's the rabbi coming? Rabbi this Matzei Shabbos. This Matzei is a rabbi who specializes in using art to reach children. It's giving a shear. What time? Seven fifty. Seven fifty. Matzah Shabbos. This rabbi is giving a shear on how to use art, and that's the idea we're talking about here. It's the idea that we have different, there's different modes, different modes to be able to reach, different modes to be able to reach us. And they're saying number one is increase the light, increase the yetsar tov, al hayetsar Don't fight. None of these methods were fight your yetsar hara. None of the methods increase the light, 
If the light doesn't work, learn Torah so you could expand your mind and appreciate that it is a witness. Number three, if that doesn't work, then do Shema, which realizes there's a purpose to everything. And number four, if that doesn't work, fine. Then we'll go to the hellfire. Then we'll go to the dark. This is the danger. This is the road that you're going on. Watch out what it's leading to. I think that's the understanding. I think that's the Pshat Niskamar. saying that through his view, having a positive outlook is really the better one. I think it's going in a progression, the Gemara, and therefore it's saying, while there are different strokes for different folks, that's why in love, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, I think he's still saying, the Gemara is saying the ideal for all of us is to give our kids, to give ourselves more light. That's the only, and now in 2012, that's the number way, because our kids are going to, you know, one day they wake up and they find out X, you know, when we tell them they're banned from Facebook or they're banned from this and they can't go on here. Well, one day they wake up and they realize, wait a second. Facebook's just like being on a phone. What, what's wrong? I don't understand what's wrong with Facebook. It's just like communicating with my friend and calling on a phone, except it's easier to reach them. Instead, what we've sent them the message is that what you're doing, you should feel guilty and is dark and is evil. And, and they, also, you don't teach them the tools on how to use it Exactly, well. self-monitoring. I mean, there are schools in Israel. My daughter, Sarah, went last year. Her school, you know, and this is their 18 already. They're turning 19. Is after they graduated high school, the school said no computers, no. Right, no and the problem is that. I mean, shouldn't right. you at that point the kids hopefully know how to use it smartly, and if they don't, maybe then you should still try to teach them. Like, I mean, because like, I, I think besides helping them self monitor, the problem is when they're 22, and of course will be using Facebook, <laughs> they will then look at that experience in Israel as the one that relates least to their lives, as silly. Because that was a life that wasn't natural. You're asking me it to leave a life, and it makes yeah, them right now relate to it, a hundred percent. Right. Mayim genuvim amtakim. Stolen waters are sweeter. Right. Correct. Yeah, that's one thing. But right. if they were already all using it, and then they went. And the better they sneak behind everybody's back, and I am so like, silly. I don't get it. Right. Rabbi Dan just sent out that email. Did you see the email to the seventh grade class? So at a certain age, they really, they really don't know how to use it. And and hundred percent. But still, then still try to give them right. classes so, and lessons. You can. I'm not saying you have to say yes at an early age to everything. Like I was very strict about my kids. We're not able to watch on TV and things like that. But you know what? When my kids were in seventh and eighth grade and they weren't allowed to watch certain shows on TV and they would show up to school and during recess, all their friends were talking about the show. It was hard also. So Yeah, you, you, know, you have to know the context. I think an important message for kids also is that not that it's us sir, and not that it's dangerous, but that you're not ready yet. And you're not ready world, yet. It's the yeah. world, it's the everything yeah. also, and, or you're not mature enough, <coughs> you might make a mistake and then yeah. it affects your life, but that doesn't mean affect the rest of your life. 100%, you know yes. Bringing right. that back to what you talked about, the tree of knowledge, I heard a really interesting midrash. Please. That it wasn't that they shouldn't have eaten from the tree. It's that Adam and Chava should have waited. Waited, patience. They, only would have they should have waited. They needed three more hours. Right, right, three more hours right. until they, they should experienced have waited. Shabbat with Hashem. Then they would have known how to deal with all of it. They weren't ready. Right, the waiting. That Excellent. was the problem. So Excellent. That's kind of, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So the last idea we said was looking at it, that's not a battle against this dark force in yourself. It just leads to guilt. It leads to misery. 
Um, there's a way of dealing with with this, and we're talking about this, the progression of the Gemara itself. We talked about a pre, we talked about the different methods. We started with the methods of understanding that it's your roommate, understanding you're the witness, you're the one watching it. You could watch it, you could look at it. Number two, the second idea suggestion we suggested was with the Star Trek and the Enemy Within was that you need it. It's part. Of, you need to have it. It's important. It's to learn its value. That's Shema Yisrael, Shem Elokeinu, Shem Echad. I think the other idea here is that we talked about pain also sometimes being a lesson. It's instructing you to do something different in your life. It's telling you to change something to do something different. As opposed to avoiding it, it's there to give you a message. By the way, I think that's the difference in the whole story of Yaakov and the children. right? Yaakov with Yosef and, and his brothers and then throwing him in a pit. Nothing productive became of Yosef's brothers while Yosef was gone. Why? Because they lived through the pain and darkness of their actions, and therefore they spent their lives presumably, presumably in that darkness, surrounded by that darkness, and couldn't do a thing. There's no valuable story of the brothers after Yosef's gone. Zero. Comes Yosef, and what does he make of that whole time period? All the great lessons of the Torah come alive the second Yosef is thrown into the pit. Meaning, the second Yosef is thrown into pain, is thrown into trauma, he uses that as an opportunity to teach the rest of the world a lesson forever. He uses that as an opportunity to reshape the destiny of humanity. He teaches us what it means to resist with the wife of Potiphar. He teaches us what it means to have courage and to say no. He teaches us what it means to, uh, to rise from a pit, to come out from below and share a message to the world. He teaches us about leadership. He teaches us about how to save money. He teaches us a whole bunch of things that Yosef, how to be flexible, how to adapt to your surroundings. Yosef only begins to become the messenger the moment he goes through pain. And that's another lesson of the darkness sometimes that comes out, sometimes the depression, sometimes the pain. To look at it the way Yosef did and not the brothers. The way Yosef did, it was a challenge to become even more productive, not to go further into the darkness. I think Yaakov, to a great extent, um, when he's in pain with his brother Esav and he's on the run with Lot, he also, for a while, is an example of what to do with an enemy, what to do with pain. And he keeps overcoming, he keeps overcoming until the pain of Yosef itself is too much for Yaakov. But he keeps overcoming and overcoming. We'll share one more idea. Let's take a specific emotion. What do you do with anger? You feel angry. What is one supposed to do with anger? So one common therapy to anger is, I, a lot of people into this therapy, is you take a pillow and you beat the garbage out of it and you express your anger and you just scream it all out of you and so on and so forth. I, I haven't done the full thorough research on this topic. Maybe you could do it on your own. We could all do our Googling. I bet you that we're going to find out and I bet you most therapists now do not recommend that. Fighting your anger with more anger only teaches us to accentuate that emotion. Only teaches us as opposed to, and again, it's going back to what we said. That's Yargiz Yetzer Hara. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to Yargiz Hayetzer Tov Ali Yetzer Hara. And what does that mean? Take what we said before, the witness. Rav Dessler, Rav Chaim Velazhin, all the greats would say with anger, you're supposed to look at it, watch it, I think even like a baby, take care of it. Take care of the anger. And there's so much to be said on that, but let me give you the source. It doesn't sound like some new age, um, some random new age idea I'm throwing at you here. But rather, here is the, here is the McCork for this idea I'm saying. It. I'm saying. 
First of all, you should know, Rav Avram, the son of the Rambam, in the Sefer Hamaspik, says the following. Ha'iser, right, the Iser against anger, the prohibition against anger, is not talking about a person for who gets angry for no reason. Rather, it's a person who becomes angry for good reason, right? What it means is a prohibition to be angry. The prohibition is to allow, is to continue the anger. Feeling angry is an emotion. You can't, that comes. That's not your problem. That's not the prohibition. That just comes at you. It's the lingering on the anger. It's the fighting anger with more anger. That is the Isser according to the Rambam. That is the anger according to the Rambam. Rav Dessler, Mikhtav Melyahu. A person becomes angry only when they know, but Omka Daliba, in the depth of their heart, that they're wrong. And they use their anger to cover their mistake. Rav Dessler says often, that's what I'm saying, you got to look at your anger and appreciate it and see what it's telling you. Because the reason you're feeling angry is because it's touching a nerve inside you, maybe a guilt inside you, and is causing that nature to come out. We talked about the importance of every emotion. What's the importance of anger? Rav Avram, the son of, son of, uh, uh, Rav Avram, the son of the Rambam. A person who has a naturally cold personality, right, or lacks a disposition towards anger, has not reach the level of a person whose nature it is to become angry, but has taken control over it. The higher level is the person who is likely to get angry, but stops and watches it. Stops and watches it. Watches what is going on. Rav, De- Rav, Rav Nachman of Breslov, beautiful line, Lekute Maharan. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says as follows, Kol Hatsar, all the pain, the kol ha-ragzanut, all the aggression in the world, comes from the energy that the people have stored up, that they have not yet used in the service of God. It's all this stored up energy, not yet used in the service of God, just boiling and boiling up. And I think that's the message of what to do with anger. You feel angry. What do you do? One option is just hide, lay out of harm's way. And just wallow in the anger, let it sit there, or feel anger with your anger. That's one option. Second option is to get angry at others when you feel angry. This way it makes you feel better about being angry. You throw it and project it onto others. It's another option. What's the Torah view on what to do with anger? Again, go back to the witness. Go back to the Shomer. You watch it and you understand its message. You understand why you need it to feel this way and what it's there to do for you. What is this? Why am I feeling this? What is wrong? And I wonder, as this is a method, and I close with this, I wonder how this as a method works. Treating mamish your anger like a baby. Treating it like a baby. What do you do with a child who feels so angry, who's just so upset? How do you make them calm down? You scream back at the anger? Anger fighting anger doesn't work. What do you do with that child? Well, everybody has their different method. But treat the anger in the same way. Because remember, you're watching, you're the roommate, you're the loving neighbor, you're the one, it's given to you as a gift. It's given to you as a challenge, we don't want to use the word gift. It's given to you for a reason. Watch it and treat it like the baby. What do you do with that child who is angered? Treat your own anger in the same way. And I think that's the bottom line message. Not to look at our emotions as us, but a part of us that we can stand outside of and deal with. And in that way, we can come to a better and more powerful and a higher place. We'll stop there for today.